If you tuned into the NFL uh, at all this weekend, yes, you likely expected to see Taylor Swift, but uh, I think we were all surprised at how much we saw Travis Kelsey's brother uh, with no shirt on. Uh, we'll get to that here in a moment. It was NFL Divisional Finals weekend. Joining me is Great Cup champ and Green Zone analyst Belton Johnson. Belton, let's start with Saturday. The Texans facing the Ravens. Ravens win 34-10. to They ended the regular season as the best in the NFL, and they continue to show they mean business, don't they? They do, and all I can say is Lamar Jackson, MVP. He had 100 yards rushing, and what, uh, two touchdown passes. Four touchdowns in total himself. The Ravens, they were very strong over the Texans there. Ravens won 34-10 the final there. And, of course, uh, Saturday night, the Packers and 49ers. Plenty of Green Bay fans were hoping for Brock Purdy to crumble on that final drive. Purdy in some trouble. Got room to run if he wants it. He's going to take it. Purdy inside the 10 and diving near the 6. McCaffrey. Yeah, he led the Niners down the field, took the lead with their uh, season on the line. Uh, boy, he deserves the credit, doesn't he? You know what? The Packers, yes, they could look like they were threatening and everything. But, again, like you said, Brock Purdy held it together. McCaffrey, what, two rushing touchdowns. And guess what? Uh, the 49ers defense came through and in with Drake Greenlaw picking off uh, Jordan Love there as well. Belton, you said 30-10 to 10 Frisco. I said the Packers would win. 24-22. It was a 24-21 final for the 49ers. <laughs> Sunday, Tampa, Detroit. We both said, based on crowd support alone, the Lions should win, and they did. Although, Baker Mayfield there, three TDs with four minutes to go, a little less than that, got in uh, position to maybe uh, come back, but he threw an interception. Uh, what do you think of this game? And in, in that game, uh, it actually what got off to a pretty sluggish start. I think the score at halftime was what ten ten or yep. and but the second half things got heated up and everything with line scoring, the Bucks were scoring and as you stated there, Mayfield they had a chance at the end, but he threw that pick there to Derrick Barnes, uh linebacker for the uh Detroit Lions. Uh I had the Lions winning twenty six seventeen. You said twenty one sixteen, the final was thirty one twenty three. Then, of course, the marquee matchup, and what a game this was. Huh? The Chiefs knocking off the Bills in a nail-biter. Travis Kelsey, two TDs. Mahomes looked great, 27-24 over the Bills. Let's just drill down, uh, particularly on the fourth quarter with you here, Belton. It's 27-24 Chiefs. Bills with a fake punt, but it, it's, it stopped short. That gives it, of course, to the Chiefs, who would end up giving it back on a touchback. What were you thinking then? I'm going to tell you, that game from the very beginning, I picked the Bills to win it. They didn't, but at the start of the game, who fumbles the ball? Stephon Diggs. Kincaid knocks the ball out of bounds. So the Bills, they didn't lose possession or anything, but the Chiefs, they could have had a scoop and score there at one point. Kincaid saved the day on that. So I thought it was just a very uh, rough outing for the Bills there. Yeah, two minutes to go. Uh, you know, uh, Josh fails to get to the end zone and comes down to a 44-yard field goal attempt. What a devastating moment for the Bills, huh? It, it was. And, you know, as soon as they showed that stat, I think he was 9-9 nine nine 
something like perfect game and game on the line and yeah, why freaking right? I couldn't believe it. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, the Bills' injuries and in defense—they just couldn't put it together enough in that second half, could they? They they couldn't, and you know, it, I think it showed itself. They had lots of guys down in that secondary linebacker level as well, and. You know, hey, the Chiefs, they've gotten better, their offense, especially in the playoffs here. Next up, the conference championships, Chiefs and Ravens, game one Sunday, followed by the Lions and 49ers, who might be on the other side in the Super Bowl, Belton. Do you want, you want to answer that yet, or you want to wait? Oh, I'm a, I'll go ahead and ask for the bell, because I picked my Super Bowl uh, picks early on, uh, picked the Ravens versus the Niners, with the Ravens winning it all. I have the Chiefs and Niners. The Chiefs will win the Super Bowl again, buddy. There we go. Belton, nice catch-up. We'll talk soon about more football at the end of the week, all right? Sounds good. Have a good one, though, Greg. Well, just looking over the... Uh, Arrivals and departures at the Richard Airport. All the uh, Mexican uh, destination flights are on time. Even the uh, arrivals and the departures. In fact, I don't see a single cancellation. Everything's running tickety-boo over at the Richard Airport compared to this time last week. So uh, that's a good sign. Tons of people out over the weekend as the milder weather started to develop. A lot of Pet owners out walking the dog for the first time in a while. Toboggan Hills seem to be jammed again. And uh, people sharing pictures of ice fishing over the weekend. A lot of you were uh, bringing to my attention that 12-seater airplane that someone towed using their half done onto Last Mountain Lake, and they're using it as an ice shack. Now, the owners, they even shared photos of it on the inside and out on Facebook. And I shared the link on the CJME Morning Show Facebook page. But yeah, it looks like about a 12-seater, and uh, they spray foam the interior of this plane, the shell, set up some portable heaters in the tail section, and uh, they got it all set up like an ice fishing shack. So (laughs) that's quite the sight when a plane pulls up on the lake. Busy weekend over at the Cooperator Center, too. 32 teams were there from uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, 32 teams only uh, two would make it to the A-Final. And the George Watson Under-11 Classic, Lethbridge, came to town and won it all. They beat Winnipeg. And uh, congratulations to uh, the Regina Capitals. They were the seaside champs beating Saskatoon. Some good fun there. And can I take just a moment to tell you about Travis Kelsey's brother, Jason, for a moment? If you were watching the game last night or even on social media, it was everywhere. The Eagle Center seemed to be enjoying himself both before the Bills game where he showed up at a tailgate party with Bills fans to pound a beer that came out of a bowling ball that they'd haul it out as a glass. His brother plays for the Chiefs, but he's mixing it up with the Bills and they loved it. Then inside during the game, after his brother's second touchdown, he rips his shirt off, jumps out the suite that he's sitting in with his mom, Taylor Swift, and others. And they actually showed that during the commercial break as they're just about to go to commercial break. They look, and there he is with his shirt on. Oh, there's his brother. He says, right on. That's Jason. And if you looked really close, and some of you did, and noticed that uh, besides Taylor Swift, Patrick Mahomes' wife, and others, none other than Winnipeg Blue Bombers quarterback Zach Caleros. They're uh, 
They're old college buddies. And uh, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe he put the word in Taylor's ear to suggest coming to the halftime show in Winnipeg next year. Who knows? But uh, that was kind of neat, too. I think when this NFL season is over, uh, they should invite Travis and Jason Kelsey to host uh, Saturday Night Live together. I know Jason's done it before. He was actually really funny. And have Taylor Swift as the musical guest. That would be big-time ratings. Ratchers are coming to town today. Where's the beef? It's here in Regina all week long. The Saskatchewan beef industry is coming for a big beef conference and here to explain how the industry benefits from benefits rather from all of these uh, sort of gatherings and what's to come is Grant McClellan from the Saskatchewan Cattlemen's Association. Hi, Grant. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks, Greg. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, why don't you start by telling us uh, what this conference is uh here to do and why yeah so we have producers from uh, across the province of course uh, that come uh we have for instance tim mcmillan is one of the speakers the wednesday there uh to discuss some of the uh same situations that happen in the oil and gas sector that uh, you should be aware of in the agriculture sector uh we also have some uh, vets coming in to have some discussion about uh, what fmd and preparedness looks like and a number of other things including our researchers at the u of s and other organizations that uh, we fund some of their research projects and what they're kind of working on so clearly grad it's an opportunity for uh, those in the industry to to share ideas and learn and innovate what is some of the innovation you you can share with us this morning that might sound uh, interesting to those of us who sit at the table and eat thanks to our farmers? I mean, part of it is uh, just basic uh, work in terms of what's kind of getting into nerdy stuff, but what types of forages are going to be the best uh, new innovative ways for you to increase your efficiency in feeding your animals, uh, increasing your efficiency in the reproductive rate of, of your cattle so that you're making sure that you're getting bang for your buck when you're spending a lot of money on bulls or the discharge of bulls. And uh, a number of other things, we've got a trade show as well, so there's opportunity for uh, producers to get in touch with uh, some of the companies that work within those spheres, but also it's just an opportunity for cattle producers to get together as well. Uh, I know Agribition wasn't out long ago, but it's always good for uh, producers to get together and share their ideas and what they're working on. Grant McClellan's my guest here on behalf of the Saskatchewan Beef Conference on this week. And what sort of hurdles does the Saskatchewan beef industry struggle with? I mean, right now, the biggest hurdles have been weather. We know that drought has been a huge concern over the past number of years. Uh, prices have been better in uh, the last little bit here, the last year. But, of course, the cost of inputs, uh, fertilizer, fuel, and other pieces have, have been going up as well, eating into those margins. Certainly the biggest challenges have been moisture. How healthy is our beef industry then? Do you feel that uh, Saskatchewan beef industry is is growing or do we need more? We know that uh, our industry, the number of cattle will be dropping, probably significantly year over year. Uh, we saw a significant drop in 2021 when there was another substantial drought. But uh, we know that there is a lot of animals moving to market uh, or moved to market in the last uh, few months in the fall run there. Um, so we'll be uh, poised for growth, I suppose uh, we can say, in the next little bit. But certainly uh, for the next year or two, we anticipate contraction in that, uh, in that area. 
What do you notice your consumers are demanding of the Saskatchewan beef industry? I mean, consumers expect a high-quality product coming from our producers, and, and our producers are happy to deliver it and have been doing so uh, for the last number of years. And, and one of the things that we can also point to is uh, the efficiencies and innovation that has occurred in the genetic uh, growth in this province and in this country is our animals have become more efficient at uh, packing on pounds and taking in less feed, which means lower emissions. In fact, we've seen a reduction in uh, methane emissions by 15% over the last uh, 20 or 30 years here, just based on the fact that cows are better at eating and uh, putting on pounds with, uh, with less food. Interesting. Grant McClellan from uh, the Saskatchewan Beef Conference. On this week, the beef industry is coming to Regina over the Delta. What's happening at a cattle ranch this time of the year? I imagine calving season is near, right? Calving season is uh, around the corner for sure. Right now, most folks uh, have been dealing with that cold snap that we had, making sure their animals are warm and, and well-fed. Uh, but yeah, calving is, uh, for some folks, has started, but most uh, most folks, it'll be starting in a little bit here. All right, Grant. I appreciate the update. I wish you all the best. I hope a lot of great innovation comes together and... Uh, Hey, you don't have any problem asking me if I want Saskatchewan beef. I'm there for it. Thank you so much. We appreciate that, Greg. Thanks very much. Eight twenty-two. Uh, perhaps you're working from home today, or leaning on the grandparents for a little help with childcare, as the teachers are on strike, and they will be again along the Albert Street Bridge, uh, in front of the ledge. Give them a honk as you pass, and uh, in front of the superstore on Thatcher and Moose Jaw, and scattered around the province, of course, picketing elsewhere as well. Too uh, today marks the start of the second week of the inquest into the killings on the James Smith Cree Nation and in Weldon. And our senior reporter is Lisa Schick. She has been in Melford all this time following the inquest. And I welcome her again this morning. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning. Well, before we look at what is to come this week, we last spoke, uh, you and I, on Friday morning prior to the criminal investigative psychologist who spoke about Miles Sanderson's state of mind. So um, what did uh, the psychologist say? You know, the psychologist, um, obviously, he wasn't able to actually talk to Miles Sanderson. Uh, Miles Sanderson had died in custody shortly after he was arrested. But, you know, he, he read everything that had been done uh, into Miles's psychology in jail. Uh, all of those reports, he went and he conducted interviews with a lot of people who knew him. And so he came up with some hypotheses about uh, who Miles was, what he might have suffered from. And he was talking about things like, you know, he showed a lot of traits of psychopathy. He had um, an intermittent explosive disorder, uh, an antisocial disorder, things like that, that he said kind of built up to what it was that he actually ended up doing. And he talked about things like he, he had a plan, maybe it wasn't written down, but he had a plan. He had a mission that he wanted to go do. It was. It almost uh, sounded like he he had a list of people too, didn't it? Yeah, there was um, a, a behavioral, uh, I guess, investigator who also spoke, and he said that this was a grievance-based mission, and he had taken all of the victims, everybody who had been attacked, and put them kind of into boxes, into categories about 
you know, this was a, a primary grievance that he had, whether it was had something to do with drugs, whether it had something to do with, you know, he just didn't like some people, something some might have had to do with, uh, he thought that person had something to do with the gang terror squad. And so there were grievances, there were some grievances they couldn't quite figure out, but there were people who Miles came across that day that he didn't attack. So it wasn't like he was just attacking people randomly and trying to, uh, as he said, raise the body count. Lisa Sheck from Melford. And what kind of things are we uh, set to hear this week then and week two? Well, today we're expecting to hear from the province, um, kind of how, what their reaction, what their response was like. So uh, what highway patrol officers did, what conservation officers might have done when they were called in to help because they were on scene at the initial response. And later on this week, we're going to start hearing from uh, pathologists, forensics, talking about the evidence, uh, some more detail into the uh, injuries that people had and things like, you know, the, the footmarks, the footprints that were on doors and what those tell us about what happened. And uh, they are they hoping to wrap this up at the end of the week, Lisa, or do you know yet? I know we are expecting to go into next week. Uh, probably at least Wednesday is what the schedule says. I mean, things could go a little quicker. What they had been doing last week is they were a little bit slower, but they did end up kind of keeping on schedule by the end of the week. So I'm expecting maybe Wednesday, Thursday next week. All right. Thank you very much for the update. Appreciate it, Lisa. Thank you.